Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Evolve. Evolve explores modern leadership topics and cultural transformation strategies that lead to strengthened work relationships, enhanced flow, and dynamic balance, all grounded in trust, integrity, and emotional mastery. We explore ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. The topic for this episode of Evolve is vital corporate culture. And to explore it with me is none other than Daphne Berniker. Daphne is the founder of Human Aim, based in Houston, Texas, and has over 25 years experience working in finance, leading major change projects, and developing other leaders. Proactive companies that care about their people and legacy partner with Daphne to develop fulfilled leaders and magnetic, highly successful organizations. Human Aim is a Six Seconds preferred partner, and Six Seconds is the first and largest organization supporting emotional intelligence development, researching and sharing powerful tools and methods to increase value and emotional intelligence. So, hello, Daphne. Hello. And welcome to Evolve. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you today. Yeah, it's such a pleasure that. to have you finally. Yes, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you. Now, Daphne, please share with us a little bit more about your background and help the audience to understand how you got interested in transformation and change. Well, um, as you said in, in the intro about me, I started out um, in business. And in being a business leader, I came to the point in my career where I was really called upon to head up some major change projects. And what became evident to me is that while, you know, if you have the know-how and you have people who are skilled and have people that are knowledgeable, you can make changes for a bit or maybe force people into making a change. But if you really want a sustained change, and you want to have a vibrant corporate culture, you need to engage people in that process. And um, my undergrad was biochemistry and psychology. And um, I sort of reached back to that from before my you know, business school days and really thought about what it is that it takes to help people and organizations be truly successful and to make those changes that stick and that are the changes that will help them be most successful and connect best with their consumers. And um, in that process, I did a lot of research about the type of way to go about this and found myself with several organizations, one of which being Six Seconds. And I very much like their tools and I know you also are a preferred partner so it's been a, a pleasure for me to work with Six Seconds using their tools and um, really have the opportunity to help a lot of organizations 
make some pretty big leaps in uh, their success. Yeah, and and you know the the topic is really about vital corporate culture. So tell our audience a little bit about what a vital corporation looks like. Well, I think one can um, tell if a corporation is vital, honestly, just by walking in the door. What does it feel like? Mm -hmm. um, do they, you know, are people happy at work? Do they trust each other? Do they trust the organization? Is there a sense of integrity? And do they know where they're going? Um, are they all on the same page in terms of where they're trying to get? And do they have the support that they need in order to be able to get there? That I think is probably the, the biggest part of a vital organization. Now, you published uh, a case study uh, on sixseconds.org called, uh, or, or about a company called Vega Energy Partners. Now, tell us a little bit about why they contacted you and what was going on and what they wanted to change. So Vega Energy Partners um, at the time was about five years old and was um, based in Houston and had about, I'd say 18 to 20 people working at Vega. And they contacted me because they had grown to the point where they were reasonably successful. They had their businesses, their business line in order, but they, the owner of Vega felt like he really wanted to retain and grow his people and the people had a skill set, but did not really know what they needed to do to get to the next level. And so for them, um, you know, he just reached out and said, Daphne, you know, I don't know exactly what it is you do, but I'd really like it if you just kind of help me develop my people. Um, he's very, very successful, very outward facing, very interested in marketing cares deeply about his people, but did not want to get bogged down in running the company. And he needed people to be able to, to anticipate and grow the company. And specifically, he had identified um, Aaron, um, Aaron Berg, who is, I guess, Vega doesn't really have titles, but I'd say he's the COO of Vega as his sort of internal man running the operations and everything else, but you know, running the people and making sure that the company was very successful. And Aaron at the time was quite young. He was in his maybe early thirties and really had not been a leader elsewhere before and had not had any particular leadership development. And it sort of tried to do different things and get people on, you know, and Vega on board, but he didn't really have a, a but necessarily the skill set, nor did he have an, a group, a cohort that he could rely on to support mm -hmm. him in this endeavor. And so what I proposed to David is that, David being um, the owner of the company, what I proposed mm -hmm. to him is that we create a group of people, a small group of people who would then become that cohort with Aaron. And he liked that idea. So we picked up Aaron and then the head of trading guy by the name of Chris, and then a woman who also had come on very early on in the life of the company, 
um, her name is Ashley. And the three of them became our, our, a little experiment effectively, like doing a combination of things. We did coaching um, mm -hmm. and also group coaching. And we also did training around specific leadership topics. The first of which actually um, was building trust. Um, <laughs> My favorite topic. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I know that you used uh, six seconds tools because in in um, in I in setting the stage and diagnosing, I know they would have had their own ideas of what they thought the issues were, but I know that um, you used tools in the process. Tell us a, a little bit about the tools that you used to measure um, various uh, aspects of climate and and leader behavior, and how you use them. How did they uh, contribute to um, the measurement process and, and getting them to where they needed to be? So I used a, a bunch of tools, a lot of which were six, tech, six seconds tools, that is correct. Um, the first thing I did with everybody is we just kind of, you know, had an intro to what is emotional intelligence and why it matters. Because back then people didn't realize necessarily, um, most people were not aware that EQ is twice as important to success as is IQ. And they were like, oh, oh my goodness, what's this? We would like some of that. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting beginning. Yeah. I mean, remember, this was several years ago now. I think the yeah. word has progressed. Um, yeah. The word is out. But anyway, so the, one of the first things we did was an EQ um, leadership assessment. And the idea there was for them to understand through the debrief process what was going well for them as developing leaders and how that related to their success and what they might want to develop further, what skills they might want to develop further in order to be more successful. So that was sort of a basis. I also um, used the Myers-Briggs, which mm -hmm. is helpful for them. And we actually talked about that as a group, like their different preferred styles, because that can be very, very helpful in, in creating that initial sort of trust level and understanding of how people communicate Mm -hmm. and how they tend to respond in mm -hmm. more stressful situations. Because I think um, most people feel that everyone is exactly like them. And they feel that when they're seeing whatever that behavior is that they would do, they know what that person is thinking or feeling. And that's usually not the case. So it was a mm -hmm. good opportunity for them to understand, you know, baseline, what, you know, how do we work and how can we start functioning as a, a team, a trusted cohort. Um, and the other tool, so we did, you know, that, and then we did a lot of training. And then at the end of a year or so, the group, um, Aaron, Ashley, and Chris, wanted, they were very, very engaged now and very, um, they felt they had the tools to be successful and to really help take the company onto the next level and really lead it, which was exactly what we wanted. And they wanted to understand what the culture of the company was. In other words, how healthy was the company's culture? Um, what was going well in terms of, you know, for example, trust being, you know, one of the key things, uh, ability to operate well, um, to execute, to work together in teams, client, you know, how, how did they feel they did in customer service, that sort of thing. Um, and so we did the six seconds tool 
which is called the Organizational Vital Signs Tool. And that was very interesting because it revealed for Vega, I think kind of that most other people who took the assessment, which was most everybody else, um, felt kind of like how Aaron, Ashley, and Chris had felt at the beginning of the whole thing, which is like, they loved David, they you know expected the company to do well, they weren't planning on necessarily going anywhere at all, but they really didn't have a sense of what, what they could do or a sense of, of how to take the organization forward. And I think the biggest thing that showed up was um, there wasn't a, it, it showed up in the study as not being highly motivated. Um, so in other words, they were happy to be showing up, but they really didn't have a sense of it being their role to charge forward. And that was very interesting, I think, to see that it gave us a lot of opportunity to think about, okay, what's going on in the organization and how do we help move the ball forward? Um, and that's a, you, you're making a powerful statement there because at the very beginning, you said sometimes people try to force change. And, and what you're saying now is that, you know, people are sitting back and, you know, they're comfortable. And so sometimes if the person who makes the decision to implement a change sees that, then they try to force it. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is where um, change can go off course. So my question to you is, um, really, how did you, how did you uh, help to implement the change so that it was more of a, an organic or, or a bought into process rather than one that was imposed on them? Well, I think that's a great question, Yvette, and really it's exactly that. I mean, you notice that what I said was we decided to do this, or Aaron, Ashley, and Chris wanted to do this assessment. I mean, they really were driving it um, as, you know, the person supporting this process. I feel like my role is to give people information and to hopefully help them see way beyond what they, you know, currently see as their, as their possibilities, and then help them best to shape how they're going to get there and mm -hmm. whether that is in the coaching process or whether that's in the you know cultural transformation process mm -hmm. um, that's the opportunity is when people have the desire to take ownership of their situation so um you know for them what became the answer was what they could you know, having these tools, having the ability to take a look at their company and what it looked like really gave them a lot of great information about how, how not just how they were seeing things, but how everyone else was seeing things and the ability to have some good conversations with people around it and the ability to then start developing people in the way they needed to develop. Um, I think for the most part, when people are asked questions, that is a huge way to open up a dialogue in people's interests because they feel like somebody cares about, you know, what they have to say. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times or every time that, you know, I help facilitate change, emotion uh, is an integral part of that. Now, what did you do? What are some, first of all, what were some of the emotions that emerged? And how did you manage that, identify them? Because a lot of times they remain either undetected or ignored. 
and and uh, maybe I'll stop there and just ask you, you know, what happens when you ignore this? <laughs> well, I think you know what you alluded to earlier, which is that sometimes people really get into a situation where like they resist change and then people try to force it and so on. That's a big thing. So the most important thing for everyone was to realize that emotions are a big part of it. And, you know, everybody has different emotions and everybody comes at things differently. And um, to me, that was kind of the big, um, you know, get for them um, is recognizing mm -hmm. what they're feeling and also recognizing how other people might be feeling and anticipating that and making sure they're bringing people along and um, creating the ability to feel safe, mm -hmm. expressing what you feel or expressing right. what you think. Now, what exactly, it sounds, it sounds like they were already somewhat cohesive, uh, but from, for organizations listening, people from organizations who are listening to this, who are coming from low trust environments, mm -hmm. like how could they build that safe space um, so that they can uh, open the, the door to people giving them the information they need as they move through the change? Um, I think the most important thing to do is to set expectations mm -hmm. and to be very, very clear in communication. And I'm sure you see the same thing yourself. You know, communication is hugely important. So one of the things that um, and, and the funny thing is, I think the smaller the group, whether it's a small group like at corporate headquarters or whether it's a fairly small company, um, the more people think they are communicating and oftentimes the more there is the, you know, complete just missing of everything else that's going on because <laughs> they just think everyone know, you know, they're sitting next to me. So surely we're on the same page or, um, and especially, Yvette, mm -hmm. I think when you deal with um, oftentimes people who are introverts, mm -hmm. um, sometimes inadvertently they just don't communicate stuff. It doesn't occur to them to say something that is important. And I mean, I can think of a specific situation myself, and I'm not particularly introverted, but when you're moving very fast and you're in a change process in a company, um, you know, there was one point when I was doing a lot of stuff and I had a lot of people reporting to me. And I remember, you know, walking into a room and saying to everybody in the room, okay, in five minutes, we've all got to go have a meeting on such and such, you know, in such and such a place. And then I go back to my office, get my stuff together. And then somebody came, came up to me, you know, thank goodness they trusted me to do this and said, um, Daphne, so-and-so is in the bathroom crying. She thinks you're firing her. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I'm what you see is what you get. I'm not that person. And why would she think that? And this person was like, well, because she wasn't there when you came and told everybody we were going to meet. So she thinks she's being left out. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. that's a good, good example. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it would be, and I was so grateful that, you know, I had people who would come to me and say, okay, you kind of messed up with this. And I would always thank them and be appreciative because if you, and I think especially when you're in charge, if you're open to people giving you actual information, they will, and then you can act on it. And well, let, me, let me say something to that though, because yeah. you have people that are open to information, but they are more 
it's more gossip or information that they can use against people. And then you have people that are open to information that can help everybody. Um, there needs to be a distinction between the two because a lot of times people just listen to information that, that can be hurtful versus uh, supportive. I think you're right, and um, that doesn't go without saying it. In my head, I wasn't even thinking about that, but you're correct. No, it's setting the tone of respect mm -hmm. and trust and openness, um, and by openness, being open to information about how to help the company or how to be a better leader or how to you know, make sure people are successful as opposed to as you said, sort of that, you know, gossipy stuff. And if you don't encourage it, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, because I, I find that a lot of people confuse keeping their air to the ground with gossip. And uh, they don't understand when it, when it becomes something that's not supportive. Oh. So how would someone make that distinction based on your your experience, because I see it all the time. Well, I think that's a great question. And what I would say is, um, you know, if it's something that is going to be supportive and helpful, fine. And truthfully, you know it in your gut, whether people are willing to acknowledge what they're feeling or not. I think we all, and there's, of course, research now that shows we have like all of this um, these neural connections are second brain effectively in our stomach. So when you have a gut feeling, you really have right. a gut feeling. Right. Um, and so you probably know if someone is bringing you something that's going to be destructive mm -hmm. and you probably know that you have the ability to shut that down. Um, yeah. And you probably know if somebody is bringing you something that is helpful and you have the ability to nurture that. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's, you know, to me, that distinction is something that inherently we as people know and it may be that in a culture we have um got into a habit of not not using the information we're receiving and i'm speaking mm -hmm. about emotional information mm -hmm. but i think that too is is something we as leaders um as change agents as people creating a, a culture of trust need to be very conscious of is how are we growing the things that we're seeking to grow or are we growing the things we're seeking to grow and how will we grow the things we seek to grow what were some of the things that uh, you and Ve did together with vega uh, to ensure that there was success a successful outcome with the change um, that really had to do with people being engaged and involved in the process and giving input. And one of the first things we did in setting up, you know, communicating about any sort of assessment, especially a corporate assessment, um, you have to let people know why you're doing it and what they can expect from it. Um, and also, I, there's debate about this, but I think that, um, and I think there's research that shows this as well, that having an anonymous assessment is going to yield um, better results, more real results, because people mm -hmm. won't be afraid of uh, repercussions. For example, they'll be able to give actual information. Um, 
and setting it up like that, saying, you know, hey, we're gathering information for this purpose. We want to make the company stronger. We really care what you think about and how you feel about this company. We, we want your ideas. We'll let you know what the, you know, we'll give you feedback on what, what came in. And we'll also let you know what we can do, what we're going to do about it. And, you know, what we can't do anything about, or if there's stuff we can't do anything about. But the main thing is we value you. We want to know what you have to say and, you know, please give it to us straight, so to speak. So from your perspective, what does Vega do differently now that they would have gone through this process? What um, I, you know, the, the most striking thing, to, well, first of all, um, the company went from being about 18 or 20 people to being about 30 people and did a $6 billion um, asset purchase over the course of that time and is also currently the only gas supplier to India. So they've managed to go from a, you know, a small but secure sort of outsourced um, trading arm of a utility company to a great deal more. Mm -hmm. um, what I see in the company is that everyone now is on the same page and everyone is very engaged in taking the organization forward and they know how to do it and that they all communicate um, with the skills that um, they've worked on and acquired and they are mindful of what they're doing in the process and how to further engage not just other people in the organization, but they have done a tremendous job with their customer service and they've done a tremendous job with their motivation. And so, I mean, every, by every metric, um, they have improved tremendously. Uh, the only metric that's gone down and we've done this survey several times. The only metric that's gone down honestly is, um, readiness for change because they like it <laughs> they're not as <laughs> they're willing to make changes if they have to they're fine with that but they're not like oh yeah we want change now so um to me continuing to measure that and be very conscious and vega um what we did is you know after that initial pilot what we did is over the years i have um worked with groups of people at vega in similar ways doing um the same you know transformational processes with them and everything is very very customized we meet you know as initial group and decide what leadership tools they want mm -hmm. how they want to develop themselves and that in and of itself they take ownership of their development they're not just sitting there with me pouring information into their heads right. they're coming in excited about learning something that they decide they want to learn about and the other thing is that they see when they go through this process that all of a sudden they're now leaders, they can step up and they always do. Um, mm -hmm. In and of themselves, they step up and in the organization, they are given more opportunity. I think that's one of the, the real strengths that Vega has, which is that they train people and provide people with the tools, whatever those tools are. I mean, obviously you've got to take it and you have to be entrepreneurial, you've got to go with it, but they provide people with, the, with whatever it is they need to take themselves to that next level, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you get to the next level and then you get training, you know, on how to be a leader. Cause that, you know, that's, if you already know what you're doing when you step into that role, it's a whole lot um, more effective, I think initially. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the last questions um, is what were some of the more interesting findings uh, 
you came across as you went through the process? Um, you know, what was interesting to, I think all of us, is that even though you think you know what people are doing and you think you've kind of got your formula down in terms of like how you train your people and how engaged you are and so forth, doing um, these assessments, doing these surveys periodically gives you the opportunity to see what's going on and then you can adjust. Then you mm -hmm. can, you know, provide information because otherwise you might, again, if you're sitting right there, you think everybody is on the same page and you might be missing a whole bunch of information. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that, you know, and also this sort of ongoing, um, it, it, I think everyone has been surprised at how quickly they were able to make these changes and make them stick in an ongoing way. Um, I don't think they expected that because usually people are like, oh, change is really hard. You know, change is, mm -hmm. you know, nobody does it. It doesn't work. You know, oh, we've tried this. We've tried that. <laughs> Um, and so I think they themselves were surprised at how actually it's not hard when you, you know, kind of get involved and get excited about it when you're given the opportunities to um, provide input and a vision for, you know, a vision and trust in you as a person. Um, they were able to step up and make it happen. And I think, you know, if you'd asked any of them, you know, however many years ago where they thought the company would be today, I don't think they would think it would be this massively wildly successful. Um, and no. it's, it's a nice thing because I feel like, you know, I've had people say to me, oh my gosh, everyone here just loves working here. And it's true. They do. You said something just so powerful about change that you never hear anyone say. And it's that once people are engaged, <laughs> Change is not hard. <laughs> but anyway, um, just as uh, the last, for the last question, what's the best advice you can leave our audience with uh, that, that uh, can help them when they have to face leading through change? I think the most important thing to do is to be open to all kinds of information mm -hmm. and to be able to respond appropriately to that information. So leading change is about a lot of adjustment and a lot of understanding, and it's an iterative process. Mm -hmm. And I think we also have to realize that, you know, you might try something and it might not be perfect. Sometimes people get really stuck on what's going to be the perfect way forward. Mm -hmm. Well, who knows until you start it, right? I mean, you're going to do your best to do it, to start it right. But that, that ability to be open to the process and to each other um, and to what, um, to what the market is telling you, what your coworkers are telling you uh, and to be open to, communicating around that mm -hmm. is very, very, um, it's just very important. Just not judging, but being open and being able to kind of move with the process. Wow, Daphne, uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank you for such an engaging interview. 
Your insights will certainly help our audience to develop the skills they need to create healthy cultures. And to our audience, uh, this has been Yvette Battle and Daphne Berniger. And we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thanks for listening to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Visit ifbcentral.com to learn more about how you can reinvent your leadership and transform your team, starting with trust.